You're listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Kobernack. It is our desire that you will be helped by this Bible message. Take your Bibles, please, to the book of Acts, and uh, we're going to finish up our series tonight uh, on the local church and really what the church is all about. And, and, and that's our theme for the year about the church. And Jesus said in Matthew 16, 18, he said, upon this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Well, that's in the gospels. And guess what? The rest of the New Testament is all about the church. Uh, you have the book of Acts. It's the establishing of the local church there in Jerusalem. And of course, persecution, they spread, they sent out missionaries. Uh, and then you've got the uh, epistles that were written to the church in Corinth, the church in Galatia, the church in Ephesus, the church in Philippi, the church in, um, I think that's all the churches there. And then you have the epistles written to pastors. You, uh, the church in Thessalonica, I forgot that one. Then you have the, the letter to the church, uh, to Timothy, who was the pastor of a church. You have the letter to Titus, who was the pastor uh, of a church. And so uh, really the New Testament then is about the church. And so we want to see what is our responsibility? What is our role uh, in the local church? We've seen the master of the church. Uh, we've seen the mission of the church, the message of the church, the might, the power of the church. Uh, the method of the church, the members of the church. And tonight I'd like to start with the music of the church. I'm not going to cover a lot on music tonight. Um, I'm planning to preach Sunday morning on the subject of music. And um, you say, oh, what are you going to preach about music? Well, there's a lot that the Bible has to say about music. There's an entire book of 150 psalms that is a songbook that contains so much more uh, than just a few little thoughts here and there. It contains so much about our God and so much about prayer and so much about uh, what God's Word is all about in song. And so we'll talk about that uh, more on Sunday morning. But let's look at the music of the church. Acts 2 and verse number 46. The Bible says, And they continuing daily with one accord in the temple... Uh, boy, I tell you what, when we have our revival week, we're going to have a lot of church that week. Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, then some of us are going to the teen retreat Thursday, Friday, Saturday, then come back Sunday. That's what they did in the early church every week. It was every day. They were daily in the temple uh, with one accord, breaking bread from house to house. They did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart. Notice verse 47, the next word, praising. You know what the word praising means? It means to glorify. It means to magnify. And in many cases, the word praise and the word sing are synonymous. You read through the book of Psalms and you see over and over again, sing and praise the Lord. Sing ye and praise uh, the Lord. Sing praises unto our God. And so we see in the early church, they were praising God. They were singing. Say, well, I don't think that means that they were singing. I think they were just talking about how good God is. Well, that you may be right. Look at Acts 3 and verse number 8. The Bible says, and he, this is the man who was healed, he leaping up, he stood and walked. 
and entered with them into the temple, walking and leaping and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God. I think we ought to praise God when God does something for us. I think we ought to give him glory. I think we ought to praise him. Notice Acts 16, if you would, please. Acts 16, I believe that they were singing and praising God in the temple, and I believe they were singing and praising God from house to house. But then I do know this, Acts 16, Paul and Silas found themselves in a place they didn't want to be, a place they weren't planning to visit. But it says in Acts 16, uh, if you'll notice with me, um, in uh, verse number 25, the Bible says that at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed, that's a good thing to do, and sang praises unto God, and the prisoners heard them. Now, I've always wondered, I wonder what they sounded like. First of all, at midnight, uh, they've been beaten, they've been thrown into prison. I don't know that they had, you know, solo voices. I don't know that they had practiced any duets or anything like that. I don't know if it sounded good. I don't know if it sounded beautiful. I don't know what, what those prisoners heard, but the Bible says those prisoners, they heard them singing at midnight. And they probably were not happy that they were singing at midnight, woke them all up. But it was the singing of praises and the praying that the Bible says God sent a great earthquake. And God shook that prison and opened those prison doors because two guys just could not shut up. They just could not be quiet. They just couldn't keep it in. Now, if we were in prison for preaching the gospel, I'm not so sure we'd be praising. I think we might be complaining. I think we might be adopting the, the martyr syndrome. Poor me. I've got it so hard. I've got it so bad. I, God, I was trying to please you. I was preaching your word and look what happened to me. But not Paul and Silas. They were praising God. As a matter of fact, the Bible says in another place in Acts 4, Acts 5, that they were beaten. And when they left, you know what they were doing? They were praising God that they were counted worthy to suffer shame for his name. Boy, that's a lesson in praise right there. Sometimes we wait until the bank account is full or we wait until the, the, the cupboards are full or we wait till the health is good to praise God. Oh, no, friend. We ought to praise God all the time. God is good and he is worthy of our praise. So we see that they were singing. Turn with me, if you would, to the book of Ephesians. Here is a letter that Paul wrote to the church at Ephesus. And he reminds them in this letter the importance of being filled with the Spirit of God. I love this. Ephesians 5.18, And be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. Notice Ephesians 5, verse number 19. Speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. Now, hang on. I, I, I don't have time to unpack all of this tonight. I'll do some more Sunday as we talk about this subject. But sometimes we think that we're just supposed to sing when we come to church. And by the way, church is a great place to sing. Uh, we've got the piano and we've got the organ and Sunday nights. We've got the guitars and there's a, a, a crowd of people and everybody else is singing. And it, it's encouraging to sing with other people. But this verse says, you can't wait till you get in a crowd. You can't wait till you got a lot of people. It says you ought to be speaking 
to yourselves. You ought to be singing and making melody in your heart. There ought to be a song in your heart. And I'll tell you this, if you've ever had a song in your heart, it's impossible to keep it in your heart. You just, you got to let it out. It's like you're going to explode. You know how some people are with a secret, you know? It's like they just can't wait to tell somebody. Well, when you get a song in your heart, you just can't wait to let people know. Uh, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. Giving thanks always for all things unto God uh, and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Turn with me, if you would, to Colossians chapter 3. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, and Colossians. Colossians 3, verse number 16. The Bible says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom. Uh, so you got to get the Bible in you. It's got to be a part of you. Teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. Did you know that singing is an important part of teaching the Word of God? Uh, that's one of the reasons I love the fact that we have singing in our junior churches. We have singing in our Sunday school classes. Uh, we have singing in our Christian school. We have singing in our, our children's choir. We have singing because it's amazing how these songs teach the Word of God. And it's so important. you got to have singing. Singing is a must. The book of Psalms, it is commanded approximately 70 times. Specifically, sing ye unto the Lord. Sing praises unto our God. It is commanded 70 times. Now, if God commanded it once, I think we ought to obey it. But God wants us to sing. Singing is so important. Music is such an important part of the Christian life. Now, it says psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Now, I'll say this. Some of you out there, you love classical music. And by the way, there's nothing wrong with that. How many of you love classical music? It's, it's, it's relaxing. It'll help you. And by the way, scientifically, it is proven that it will help you. Uh, the effects of classical music, it'll do wonders for you. <laughs> now, scientifically, it's proven that rock and roll music does the opposite for you, and that's proven as well. But this is not saying just any kind of music, but this is saying that Christians ought to have in their hearts and in their lives psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. By the way, that's what we strive to have in every church service. That's what we strive to have on our radio station. That's what we strive to ha have in this ministry because it is those songs, it is that kind of music that God uses to minister to your heart. I believe it's an evidence of being filled with the Spirit. Verse number, Ephesians 5, 18, uh, be filled with the Spirit, immediately speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. So we're talking about music. Paul and Silas, uh, they knew what it was to sing. I'll, I'll take some time on Sunday to talk about others in the Bible that sang, but music is so important. Here's what I'm trying to say. Uh, when you come to church, whether you can sing or not, I hope you at least give it an effort. I hope you at least try. Uh, you say, I can't sing. Well, well, just say the words then. Just mouth the words, but, but put your heart into it. Think about the song. Let that song stir you and let that song bless you. Music is so important in the church and having the right kind of music. We'll talk more about that later. Uh, we talked um, last week a little bit about the messenger of the church. I won't get into that tonight, but the messenger, the pastor. God has given a church, a pastor, a shepherd, 
And God has given that pastor to lead the flock of God. Is the pastor a dictator? Shouldn't be. Is the pastor the one that speaks and everybody jumps? Shouldn't be that way. The pastor ought to be the one who is the servant. The pastor ought to be, Jesus even said, he that is greatest among you, let him be your servant. Pastor ought to lead by example. A pastor ought never preach that people should do something that the pastor himself is not doing. Uh, the pastor should not preach one thing and then live another way. Uh, the pastor needs to be real. The pastor needs to be a shepherd uh, over the flock of God. That is God's plan for the church. Uh, the church is placed under the leadership of the pastor. Uh, Paul, who was not a pastor, he was an evangelist, he was a missionary, he started many churches, he turned many churches over. But Paul said this, he said, follow me as I follow Christ. And that would be my request, that would be my plea to you. I would, I would beg of you, please follow me as I follow Christ. But if the day ever comes that I don't follow Christ, you have a responsibility to follow Christ. Uh, your loyalty should not be to a man over God. Your loyalty should first be to Jesus Christ. He is the chief shepherd. He is the great shepherd. And the church uh, has been given a messenger to deliver the truths of the word of God. It's the pastor. I want to draw your attention next, number nine. This is my last night on this series, so we're going to try to get it done. Number nine, would you turn with me to Acts chapter 20? Acts 20, I want to talk to you for just a few moments for the church. I want to talk to you about our motivation. Our motivation. You see, we will stand before a judgment seat of Christ someday and we will give an account to God and our motives will be judged at that judgment. Motives matter. Motives are important. So what's our motivation for the church? Can I tell you, our motivation should not be to see if we can have the biggest church. Our motivation should not be to have the fanciest church. Our motivation should not be to have the most impressive buildings. The motivation should not be to have the biggest membership role. The motivation should not be to have uh, the most uh, uh, incredible, uh, awesome graphics uh, on a flyer. Our, our motivation should not be to impress people. Our motivation should not be that we're, we're the, the cool church. I don't like using that word when it, in church in the same sentence, but you know what I mean? The motivation should not be that we're the most popular. The motivation should be, are you ready for this? Our motivation should be love for God. Why we do what we do, I believe it should be a love for God. Notice Acts 20, verse 24. I got ahead of myself, but Paul said this. He said, I'm gonna preach I'm going to go, I'm going to tell the gospel, share the gospel, I'm going to preach in every city. He said, verse 24, but none of these things move me. He said, I'm not going to get off track just because somebody throws me in prison. Just because somebody persecutes me, he said, I'm not going to stop. None of these things move me. Neither count I my life dear unto myself. Paul said this, he said, it's not about me. And by the way, folks, Victory Baptist Church is not about you. Victory Baptist Church is not about me. Victory Baptist Church is about Jesus Christ. It's His church. And our motivation ought to be a love for Him. But Paul said this, so that I might finish my course with joy and the ministry which I have received of the Lord Jesus to testify the gospel of the grace of God. 
Now, I understand that not everyone here tonight is involved in a ministry. Many of you are. On a Wednesday night in this crowd, many of you are involved in a ministry. And I thank the Lord. And if you're here tonight and you're not involved in a ministry, you need to get involved in a ministry. It'll bless you. It'll bless you so much more than you'll bless anybody else. Just being involved in the service of the King. Just getting to serve God. Just getting to do something for God. I want to tell you, don't ever get over the thrill. Uh, don't ever get tired of the fact that you get to serve God. If you sing in that choir, don't forget you're doing it for the Lord. If you're running a bus route, don't forget you're doing it for the Lord. Uh, if you're teaching a Sunday school class or working in a nursery or working in the sound booth, whatever you're doing, you are doing that for the Lord. And it is a privilege. I can't believe that God would use me. But can I tell you, I'm glad he does. And I want him to keep on using me uh, as long as he will. But notice what it says. Paul says, the ministry which I have received of the Lord Jesus. Paul says, it's not my ministry. It's his ministry. It's not my church. It's his church. And, and anything that we have, I want to tell you, God has entrusted us as stewards. God has entrusted us as managers. You're not the owner of the church. I'm not the owner of the church. We are just stewards of the ministry that we have received of the Lord. What's that ministry? Here it is. To testify, to teach, to preach, to share the gospel of the grace of God. By the way, let's not ever get sidetracked from the ministry that we have, and that is to tell everybody about the grace of God. We're not, we're not getting a Sunday school class or we're not getting a bus route or we're not getting a junior church or a master club so we can tell everybody how they can be more like us. That's depressing. I don't know if people are going to be drawn to that. I want everybody to come. I want you to know how you can be more like me. Well, you don't want that because I'm just a sinner, just like everybody else. But what if we get people in and we say, hey, we want to tell you about the grace of God. We want to tell you about how God's grace can save you. It can change you. It can transform your life. It can give you purpose. It can give you hope. It can give you direction. It can do what nothing else can do. It's the grace of God that brings salvation. That's the ministry that we've been given. Paul said, I don't want anything to move me. But let's look at the motivation. First of all, it's the love of Christ. Turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. I'm going to probably stay in this passage for a few minutes. Verse number 14, the Bible says, For the love of Christ constrains us. It is the love of Christ that motivates us. It's the love of Christ that keeps us going. Now, hang on, friend. I want to tell you, if your motivation is this, the applause of men, you're not going to stay in it for very long. Because there's going to come a day when they're not doing this. They're doing this. They're booing you. They're criticizing you. Uh, when Boy, when you're doing great, things are going good. Everybody wants to be your friend. Then when things don't go so well, everybody's like, man, what's your problem? You know, hey, we're not doing it for the praise of men. We're doing it for the glory of God. And our motivation must be because we love Jesus Christ. If you don't love Jesus, I want to tell you, you're not going to stay in the ministry very long. If you don't love Jesus, uh, you're not going to be in a choir or you're not going to be in a Sunday school class for a long time because there's got to be a motivation, a love for Christ. That word constrain 
It means to drive. It means urging to action. When you get up in the morning, when I get up in the morning, my motivation, your motivation's got to be we're doing it because we love Jesus. We're doing it because we love him and we want to do all we can to please him and to serve him. After all he's done for us, we love him and we're motivated. Notice verse number 15. It says in that, he died for all that they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him which died for them and rose again. Can I tell you, before Jesus found you, you were dead. I was dead. We were dead in trespasses and sins, but you hath he quickened and you hath he brought to life. Can I tell you, I'm thankful for the love of Christ. Galatians 2.20 is, I would say, my life verse if I have one. And in that verse, Galatians 2.20, Paul said this. He said, I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me, gave himself for me. Paul's motivation was a love for Christ. Where did he get that? Well, we love him because why? Because he first loved us. We ought to have a love for Christ. Um, notice with me, if you would, secondly, it's found in this passage also. I believe our motivation for serving God and our motivation for being a part of a church and our motivation for serving in ministries in the church. I think our motivation needs to be for souls to be saved. Notice what it says in verse number 20 of 2 Corinthians 5. It says, now then, we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God did beseech you by us, we pray you in Christ's stead, be ye reconciled to God. Verse 21, for he hath made him, that is Jesus, to be sin for us, who knew no sin. Jesus didn't know any sin, but God made him, Jesus, to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. You know what that is? That's salvation. And you know what our ministry is? To tell everybody we can the good news that Jesus saves. It is a ministry of reconciliation. It's a ministry of winning souls and telling people that Jesus saves. Our motivation ought to be a love for Christ. Our motivation ought to be for souls to be saved. But I'll give you another motivation. I think we ought to have a motivation because Jesus is coming soon. Now, I, I, I'm looking on that back row. I see you back there, Brother Perry and uh, Brother Wade and uh, Miss Irma. The, the, how come y'all didn't go out with the teens tonight? You know, y'all, you're so young. But I look at that back row of people who've been in church for a long, long time. You know, I imagine you've heard it for a long time that Jesus is coming again. Well, I want to tell you, I've heard it for a while too. I remember as a boy, I remember in Rockford, Illinois, I remember my pastor, Pastor Swanson, I remember him preaching. I remember one message, I, he was preaching in a school chapel and he asked me to sit up in the balcony during school chapel and I had my trumpet out. I, I, wish I, I wish I still played that trumpet. My mom always told me, but I stopped playing the trumpet. But he had me up in the balcony and he was preaching about the rapture and he was preaching about Jesus coming back and he told me, he said, when I get to this part, Jeremy, he said, I want you to blow that trumpet. Now, I don't know that I would do that today. I'm afraid there'd be people having a heart attack. And then 
After the heart attack, then people looking around and saying, man, none of us were saved. There's none of us going. What is wrong with this church? But I blew that trumpet. I remember being up in that balcony. I could see some of the students. There was a few of them that jumped, you know, and whatever. And he, he was talking about the rapture. Well, I want to tell you something. I believe it. As sure as I'm standing here, I believe he's coming back. I'll go a step further. I believe he could come back tonight. I believe it. And that's, that's the motivation. You see, if we knew we had 10 years or 20 years or 30 years, then we might say, well, hey, we can, we can kind of back off a little bit. But friend, we can't back off because hell is real. Jesus Christ still saves and, and, and the trumpet could sound and the rapture could take place at any moment. I won't have you turn there, but 1 Thessalonians 4 tells us about the rapture. I quote these verses just about every single graveside service I do. The Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, with the trump of God and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. That ought to be our motivation. Our motivation, number, number four, we've already alluded to it, but look at 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 10. Our motivation ought to be the judgment seat of Christ, where the Bible says we must all appear. We will all stand before that judgment seat of Christ, that everyone may receive the things done in his body according to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. Verse 11, knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. <laughs> Knowing, therefore, the terror of the Lord, knowing the judgment for those that do not know Christ, we ought to be persuading as many people as we can and telling them about Jesus. Verse 10 talks about those of us who are saved, that we will stand before a judgment seat of Christ. I, I, I picture it like an award ceremony. And I'm not talking about an award ceremony where you got, you know, perfect attendance or you got all A's or all B's or all C's. Aren't you glad you don't have to be smart to get a crown in heaven? Amen. Hallelujah. You know what you have to do? You just have to be faithful and you just have to obey. You just have to do what God has said. And can I tell you, when we stand before that judgment seat of Christ, it's going to be a, a very sobering day. Uh, by the way, it's not a place of punishment. It's not a place where God's going to say, you didn't do enough for me, you get out of here. No, 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 no. If you've been saved, you've got a home in heaven, uh, you are a child of God, hallelujah. But it's a place where we will receive crowns and we will receive rewards for what we've done. And you say, well, that sounds kind of prideful. Why would anybody want a, a crown and, you know, what are you going to do, walk around heaven and showing off your crown? Oh, no. As a matter of fact, I don't even think you're going to hold it very long because the Bible describes in Revelation chapter 4 the scene that takes place in heaven after the rapture. The Bible says the four and twenty elders fall down before the throne and worship him that liveth forever and ever. And they cast their crowns before the throne, saying, Thou art worthy to receive honor and glory and power, for thou hast created all things, and for thy pleasure they are and were created. You know, I think we're going to get to heaven, and I think we're going to realize that he is worthy of our service. He is worthy of our faithfulness. He is worthy of our love. He is worthy. And we're going to have those crowns and we're going to cast them at his feet and say, Lord, this crown, I didn't do anything. Everything I did was all because of you. 
The fact that I had breath, the fact that I had strength, the fact that I had life, the fact that I could, I could tell anybody anything was because you're the one who gave me breath. Can I tell you the motivation ought to be the judgment seat? Then lastly, I'll say this. I believe our motivation, motivation for the church and the motivation for a ministry and the motivation to serve God, I believe our motivation must be the next generation. See, most of us are here tonight because there was a pastor. There was a youth pastor. There was a Sunday school teacher. There was a mama. There was a daddy. There was a godly grandmother or godly grandfather, but somebody passed something down to you. Can I tell you, we can't let it stop with us. We can't say, well, I'm glad I got it. I'm glad I know the truth. I'm glad that somebody taught me how to serve God. We've got to teach the next generation. The Bible says in the book of uh, Psalm, Psalm 78, that we are to declare to the generation to come the praises of God and His wonderful works that He hath done. 2 Timothy chapter 2, Paul said, The things that thou hast received uh, of me, the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. We must reach the next generation. Turn with me to 2 Timothy chapter 1. I told you I was going to stay in 2 Corinthians. we got one more verse I want you to see. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse number 5. Paul is writing to Timothy, the pastor of the church at Ephesus, and Timothy was Paul's son in the faith. But he says this, the reason, he said, Timothy, that you are where you are today. He said, I call to remembrance the unfeigned faith that is in thee which dwelt first in thy grandmother Lois and thy mother Eunice, and I am persuaded that in thee also. Can I tell you, we've got to reach the Timothys. We've got to reach the college age. I think about you, Brother Charles, and your wife in that Crossroads Bible class. I think about the teens who are out right now. We've got to reach these teens. You say, well, that's the youth pastor's job. No, 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 that's our job. That's, that's our job to be so real. And to be so committed that those teens see that there's something in us that they say, hey, those people love God and their love for God is real. I want that in my life. See, young people are looking for something that's real. They're looking for something that is genuine. Can I tell you, our love for Christ needs to be real. Our, our service for Christ must be with the right motivation to reach the next generation. Thank you for listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Coburnett. For more information about our ministry, please visit our website at vbcrr.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week.